Rick Madison here with uh, Scott Amos, CEO of Haven Mattress. Haven. Haven Sleep Co. Actually, we uh, we upgraded. Yeah. Oh we had come a, on. We had a little bit of a lift uh, last year. So. Okay, so uh, let's just go back a little bit, not to when you were 15, you got a new bike, but when you were making pretty good dough in the car dealership industry, and then you decided, like, what on earth were you thinking? Like, I'm going to start a, I can't think of a bigger switch than, you know, selling a car to selling a mattress. But you decided, along with your wife, Kelly, this is something I need to do. Yeah, it, um... I, gee, the, way, the way you made it sound, I was like, yeah, what was I thinking? It, Jesus, it was, I was good. I was good with it up until it about a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> it made a ton of sense. Uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, Rick, we moved into, we moved to Kelowna in 2004. Um, uh, BMW had, was opening a new facility. We wanted to move and be part of the, that new growth. And we were, had worked for that brand for 15 years at the time. So I, I felt great coming to a brand new town. I didn't know a single person and thought, oh, let's, let's build a brand new business here in this, in this great place we call home. And, um, I think that's what, that's when I met you. Yeah, that's right. It was, was right around we, then. We met at, uh, at the BMW dealership and we did some marketing stuff together and, uh, yeah. And then the car business and I, we, they taught me so much, you know, so much about customers and logistics and, you know, how to treat people right and how to get people coming back and, and, I would say my experience with that brand really taught me that, you know, if you focus on making your company more than just the sum of its parts and, and make it a lifestyle, make it something people associate with, um, that was invaluable for me going forward. So yes, yeah, stayed in the car business probably potentially too long because I just, you know, felt like I you know, had run my, run my course. And, um, but it paid so well. <laughs> well, if anyone is out there listening to, <laughs> to this and they have, Children entering the car business, I will say it is uh, it's a little bit like the mafia because, you know, you don't need a ton of uh, higher education to get in the door. Um, but yeah, it, it can be great earnings for people who are driven and motivated and, and willing to put the time and the effort in. Uh, so I, I truly respect the car business for teaching me um, a ton of that. Um, yeah, and we basically just got to a point, Kelly, my wife had a bit of a health scare um, and it caused me to kind of reevaluate how I wanted to spend the bulk of my waking hours mm -hmm. and uh, the opportunity to, you know, go into business for ourselves as a family came up with, uh, through our company Haven. And that was 2016. And I said, yeah, you know what, if uh, I've learned enough lessons along the way, this is now maybe the time to take what I've learned and, and let's go try to apply it for ourselves. And thankfully I had the support of, uh, my wife and family to kind of risk it all. Cause I think my kids were in university going, well, dad, this is, uh, <laughs> you well, did put away for this. Is this correct <laughs> father? Cause, uh, we're really not sure that we want to be, uh, cutting our terms short here because dad's crazy idea was actually a crazy idea. So, so let's just break that down. You were sitting in the hot tub with your brother, Steve, and you asked him, if you could move anywhere in Canada, where would you move? And he said, literally without a hesitation. So we are, we're in uh, Cambridge, Ontario, uh, wintertime in a hot tub. And I just said, yeah, like, you know, where would you go? And without a hesitation, Kelowna, British Columbia. And I said, okay, tell me, like, why would I go to Kelowna? And he's like, well, you know, touristy town, sunshine, ski hills. And he said, the, the minute I knew Kelowna was the most beautiful place was I was out with a friend on their boat. We were on Okanagan Lake. We just left the yacht club. And this is the yacht club, like when it was little, 
Oh, and it was little, yeah, yeah, little, yeah. Little yeah. Yacht club. We left the yacht club. We had a lovely dinner. We're going down the lake. We watched the moon set over Lake Okanagan, and he goes, "It was just the most picturesque." Watching the wake out the back of my of my friend's boat, and I was going, "They have boats." <laughs> I'm going to love it there. And uh, I think it was two weeks later, I convinced my wife, uh, Kelly and I, to book a flight out here. We'd never been to the West Coast. And uh, and at this point, you had a job. You hadn't, like, this is totally, like, spontaneous. Yeah. It was, it was that sort of midlife crisis thing, which is, what if I could have a midlife crisis and keep my family intact? Right. right. So yeah. Like, yeah. Well, those, those are different ones. <laughs> those are different ones. So sure enough... Uh, Kelly and I came out, we landed in Vancouver, we rented a car, we shopped around there. And at the time, there was a lot of job opportunities for me uh, in Vancouver, uh, just because of the uh, the brand that I had been working with. And um, somebody said, well, you know, they're going to be opening a dealership in Kelowna. Why don't you go check it out? So we rented a car, drove to Kelowna. And for folks who, you know, aren't from the area, when you come off the connector and you're turning over West Kelowna and you look out to your right, you'll see Rattlesnake Point, you'll see uh, Peachland and a bit of Summerland, oh, you'll see right, mountains yeah. and lakes and yeah. you go, they don't have this anywhere else. I'm in heaven, pinch me. So mm-hmm. we got sold on the place real quick. Um, and of course I was fortunate enough to get fast-tracked through the interview process. And, uh, I, you know, I will say it was pretty interesting to me because at the time, um, I'd worked for the, for BMW for so long and, uh, you know, had, was top salesman in Canada, all the accolades, all the awards, went for the interview, assuming they'd be giving me a role within the dealership. And they were like, Scott, it's your dealership. What, we're, we're just, we'll put the money up, but you pick the carpets and you hire the people and you train them. And I was like... I I really sold myself well during that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is with no good. management experience. No, really, I'd, uh, I'd I'd run some some of the used car department and uh, had very little exposure to the to the operation as from the parts and service point of view. So they were fortunate enough to give me uh, you know the opportunity to to potentially build something from scratch. And you know, thankfully, the company grew um, grew, but it grew super quick, right? And almost uh, it almost killed me at times just trying to keep up with the growth. And uh, I worked for that auto group for. Yeah, another 10, 12 years uh, in different capacities. So, you know, great experience. And and I, I still like the brand. You know, it's still... It's oh, yeah. No, it's it's a great brand. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm also thinking a bit about Kelly, your wife, who you came home and in that moment said, yeah, we're, I think we're moving to Kelowna. Like, how did that go? Yeah, that took a little... <laughs> I waited for the first bottle of Pinot Grigio to yes, be yes. Uh, worked through. The blood and I was like, hey, what if... Yeah, this is, what if I told you last week I quit my job <laughs> <laughs> and this week I got one and uh, the kids get skiing lessons uh, and swimming in the lake. So, yeah, thankfully we did that. And and we've had a chance. The kids have all, you know, grown up and uh, and left the nest and they've come back. And I've, I've pulled them all to the side and said, so guys, like, were we okay with this? Like, how much therapy do I need to? Because I did disrupt you guys during your high school years. Because I built a nest egg for the therapy. <laughs> So, and the kids have said, no, no, dad, I think, uh, you know, I think you've, you've inspired us that, you know, you can, you can have a dream, you can have an idea. You don't have to be cemented to what was, you don't have to be cemented to what other people want for you. You can literally have someone present you an idea, which the universe probably gave to me through that conversation in the hot tub with my brother. And as long as you're open to the frequency of it, um, you can follow it and it, it can take you, it can take you places. So, yeah. 
So we're going to go off on that when we find out what happens next when Scott arrives in, in Kelowna and then decides to do something completely different. So you you came to Kelowna and, it, and we're going to fast track a little bit, but I also want to take it off on a different tone, which was you've created a company out of nothing, basically. And and again, we're getting to the nuts and bolts of that, but I want I want people to understand maybe some of the days when there was probably some doubt creeping in. Cause like I said, you left a very successful career in cars, car sales and, and dealerships. And then you, you completely pivoted to starting something from nothing online. And, and I, I know that there was tough days. Um, so you and I chatted off and on over those, those years, but how many years until you finally thought, I, I think I actually have something now because I don't think people understand overnight successes take some some years sometimes. So what like were there any dark days for you during the the emergence of this company? Yeah, so the so Haven Haven Mattress Company we we started working on the idea of it in 2015. You might find this hard to believe but my brother and I were in a hot tub one day. <laughs> well, it seems to be the hot tub time machine here. <laughs> And, and Steve at the time had said, you know, I, I've been in the mattress business for 30 years. I've been manufacturer. I build for Sleep Country. I build for the brick. I build for Sears. I'm, I'm you know, one of the chief design guys in all of Canada. Um, I build for all the independents. I make incredible beds, but I don't think people are going to be buying them in stores much longer. In fact, my entire customer base of brick and mortar stores, I'm losing guys every year. And I'm like, where are they going? And he's, well, there's been an emergence. There's been a disruptor out there. People are buying the beds. And they're getting compressed into a small box and FedEx will deliver them anywhere inexpensively. And, and I think that's a massive business. So I'm in the hot tub and I'm like, I think that's a massive business too. And he said, well, let's start one. Why don't you and I, you know, you're marketing and branding and all that great customer service stuff. I obviously bring to the table all of the connections and resources, and raw materials, manufacturing. We'd make a great partnership. I was like, oh, okay, let's do that. But let's keep our day jobs because we're not, fools <laughs> so <laughs> we're not complete completely ludicrous yeah. so we both wrote you know founders checks and put them in the bank and started hiring people to build things and so we got into the project and it, we were getting pretty excited because the beds looked great they they had great branding the haven name seemed to resonate with the people we pitched it to and uh, the websites started to look good we started to get some first sales and then i got a phone call the dark day um, so my brother, this guy who's got a full-time job <laughs> making beds for all of my competitors or potentially, and now his competitors. There's no conflict there. Well, apparently there is. What? <laughs> apparently that's actually, uh, going to be frowned upon going forward. So he said, we have two choices. Um, let's just pack it in and cut our losses or, um, or you can go it alone. And I was like, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Cause had the two of us agreed to go start a car dealership and I wasn't going in on that deal anymore. I would told you to not do it. <laughs> <laughs> cause he's the one with the background. Yeah. It. yeah Cause yeah. I didn't really have the 30 years in the industry to lean on or the connections or et cetera. So somehow in all of that, um, I just went for it. I just said, you know what? A good idea deserves a try. And, uh, and I felt, you know, I had sold myself so much on the concept. I was like, 
people are, and at the time, you know, pretty much all of the bed in a box companies had all focused on the entry level shopper, the millennials or the people, the urbanites who, you know, buy a mattress and in their flat in downtown Toronto Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe throw it on the floor for the first year while they're saving up for a bed frame kind of thing. And I thought that's a, that's a market. I understand why they would go after that. I was like, but who's selling to the upscale client? Like my BMW customers that I knew so well, who would make a bed they would actually consider buying? And that was, the answer was nobody. There was, it was a completely void market. So nobody was reaching for the top, top tier. No, it was all, all mid-market entry level stuff, all hundred percent synthetics and polyurethane foams and polyester covers and, you know, relatively inexpensive focus on materials. And I thought, well, okay, well, if, if that market exists, like the car market, there's got to be somebody who wants better things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we did a ton of research on plant-based materials and using natural fibers like bamboo. And, and, and of course, that's all readily available. At the time, buying a high-end plant-based made in Canada handmade mattress would run seven or eight grand. And I, I actually knew about those beds because that's what I grew up sleeping on because of my brother's connection. It'd be oh, like, right. yeah, hey, yeah. dude, dude, we're moving to Kelowna. I need new beds. And I would pay pennies or dimes on the dollar to get top quality stuff. So I knew the high-end beds could deliver great sleep. Um, and nobody's focusing on that. And I thought, well, you know, this business model's so clean. You make the bed in the morning, you compress it, it goes on a FedEx truck, it goes to the customer. There's no middleman, there's no commission, there's no markup, there's no warehousing. There's like, it's such a clean uh, business model that we could afford to sell beds $1,500 that would normally be six, $7,000. So you mm. know, people were are in the early days, we had people phoning up going, I have a $7,000 Tempur-Pedic and I want one of your beds. I'm concerned it's only $1,500. How is that even possible? And when I explained to him, well, that Tempur-Pedic at one point was $1,500. It just had to go through so many hands to get to you. Right. And once people got that model, um, yeah, it, it, it went and it, it went, it went pretty, pretty quick. Okay. So overnight success. I got it. I got it. No. So take me back to this though. You were, and, and, and again, this is just the timeline stuff, but you were working for a car dealership and then off the side of your desk, you were selling Haven mattresses. And, and how did your past employer, did they know about that? Yeah, they, we were fortunate enough that I could work on weekends and evenings in that project like that because I was in the back, right, building websites and social media and accounts and doing all kinds, of, all that kind of stuff. And and yeah, we just basically got to a point where um, we had successful operations in the automotive business. But I I was starting to see that I I'd grown that company to where it was pretty much sustainable. And I've sort of learned over the years that there are different types of entrepreneurs. There are entrepreneurs who are operators. You know, you, you put them in and it's like a race car driver. You mm-hmm. just get them in the car and just let them go, right? And uh, and I actually feel, you know, m- my skill set's more towards uh, building things. I, I actually prefer chaos. I prefer faulty systems. I prefer uh, things that don't work, mm-hmm. you know, and if someone said to me, Hey, I got a great job for you. Uh, it's an amazing place. And everybody's motivated. Everyone's doing an amazing job. And all you have to do is just come in and maintain water the plants. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say, yeah, that's, uh, that's the opposite of what uh, interests me. Show me something in chaos and, uh, and let me try to build 
that to what uh, becomes a sustainable model. So, and is that is that a considered a short attention span, or what kind of care, what kind of traits would that fall under for somebody that that really likes taking a system that's is chaotic and then trying to build calm or process driven? You know, I do. Uh, a fair bit of mentorship with young entrepreneurs. I spent a lot of time at uh, at AO and uh, the Innovation Center, Okanagan Collabs, places like that where I can interact with with young entrepreneurs. And I do challenge them to try to figure out, you know, where, what's their sweet spot? Like, what is it? What is it that they do in a day that, if if nobody was watching, they wouldn't have to charge for it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's 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 delving into systems and processes and looking at, okay, so we really failed there, guys. Like. That, that's a horrible thing we did. And, and let's make sure we never have to do that again. I think it's just about being focused on always want to being improving, always want to be learning, mm-hmm. um, always wanting to find ways to get better. Uh, I have tons of respect for operators. I, I totally, and in fact, my whole... My whole happiness depends on operators existing because I want to, I generally prefer to be more of a builder, designer, critiquer, fixer, mm-hmm. systems process person, and then find an operator who wants to take that over uh, and continue on uh, on that growth curve. So, And it's all part of recognizing that for a team, like just who does what and good to great. Always talked about who's on the bus and are they going the right direction, but are they in the right seats on the bus? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, okay. making sure you got the right folks uh, um, and, and the right mission. You got to make sure that you know everybody understands the where they're headed and, and how they fit into that bigger picture for sure. So you are living downtown in Kelowna and you bicycle to the Innovation Center. Um, you make how, it sound so glamorous, really? Well, <laughs> well, with a with a cappuccino in your pinky yeah, and then sure. uh, uh, wearing a, a nice linen shirt and, and uh, chino pants or something. But what I'm wondering about is, is that lifestyle, for people listening, I mean, there is a romantic notion of, of what that even looks like. But you've you've been there for a few years. You did that, you know, for a host of reasons. But would you recommend living downtown in the heart of Kelowna? Like, is it everything you hoped it to be and more? I yeah, guess I, I, for sure. And, and of course, every city is going to have its challenges, and there's lots of things uh, we could talk about that are negatives in any environment. But uh, yeah, to be able to ride my bike to work, uh, we a beautiful day like today. My wife and I go meet up at the yacht club. We have a fortune enough to have a boat moored there. So we'll meet up, have dinner at the yacht club, go sit on the boat for a bit, go out. Um, we're, the yacht club entitles us to uh, paddleboard rentals. Uh, oh, and, that's right. I forgot and, about that. Yeah. And you don't even maintain them or keep them. I just literally show up and grab a paddle and go out. And well, you're back. a builder. You're a builder. You don't <laughs> want to me. <laughs> don't let me mean. I'm not blowing this thing up when we're done. Uh, so yeah, that suits well for me. And uh, we live right downtown um, near Prospera Place. And we've got a great little condo there, a nice group of friends in the neighborhood. And yeah, it's, I'm, I'm telling you, I think, I, I feel like we're ahead of the curve. I think the amount of new development happening down at that uh, north end is uh, with the mill exiting. And right. like this, this town, I think, is is going to be a vibrant, uh, vibrant community. And the restaurants, the services, you know, all the infrastructures down there for an incredibly healthy, active, outdoor, social life. Um, you know, and I think one thing, having gone through the pandemic, as uh, many of us have, we really have a new appreciation for, you know, mental health and wellness and the impact of friends and family and being able to connect and have people and a sense of community and and having density of, of population, having, you know, people you can meet 
and and friends within a walking distance or a short uh, commute makes it easy to to collect and to mm-hmm. and to socialize and to, to us to, to Kelly and my my wife and I we you know we like to we like to socialize we like to entertain we like to have uh, you know people over and uh, and and more so now than ever that we you know take for granted that um, we went for a long time without people uh, to be around and it seems like in that area there seems to be a lot more hotspots for like uh, breweries are popping up and distilleries and like it just seems to be growing that way and, and it becomes more of this uh, eclectic hub that's yeah. just blocks away from you. Yeah, it, uh, to me, it feels like a young Yale town. You know, there's just so many, mm. you know, and then you start to get uh, a bit of a nightlife, right? So the, the younger people come to the pubs and the breweries and the restaurants and, the you know, all the wineries and all the stuff that's down there. You get tourists in there. So it's just, it's, it's, pure vibrancy right it's it's energy um, we're now back to having live music uh, oh, yeah. and events and things to go to so it just uh, yeah I have a car uh, it doesn't see me often so oh, I, I guess so yeah. yeah so it's 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 tucked away and it's needed when it's needed but uh, yeah for the most part uh, particularly you know as soon as we get into to March mm-hmm. it's it's almost flip-flop season till uh till october so we're just happy to be able to walk and and talk and ride and 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 live vibrantly downtown Kelowna. vibrantly is a word it's gotta be (laughs) somebody look that up so you are a, a big advocate for karma one could say with uh with the mamas for mamas charity and and that was Early on, when we were discussing this this crazy idea of of Haven Mattress Company, you had said, "I, I really want to have some sort of give back portion to that." Why was that? Why was that important to you? Like, why was that aspect even part of it? Because let's face it, uh, Karma doesn't buy groceries, and 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 it doesn't build profit lines. But but for you, it's always been a, a part of what you wanted to do with with Haven, especially. Yeah, I. You know, I've always been, uh, in my past life, I've always been an active uh, donator and sponsor of events and, you know, part of the community. And I, I met some great connections, um, you know, being associated with those charities and being given the chance to start something literally from scratch. You get to say, this is what we're about. And in in early days, uh, <laughs> We actually started Haven. I was inspired by the founders of Tom Shoes. And Tom Shoes, mm-hmm. if you don't know, the, mm-hmm. you know, they sell a pair of shoes and then they buy a pair of shoes and donate it to charity. And I thought, wow, like, what if, you know, we're already saving these people so much money on their mattress. What if I just pat- padded it a little bit? And, you know, I, we, I actually built out the original business model was buy a mattress, donate a mattress. Whoa. Okay. And I was like, okay, you want to do some heavy lifting. Uh, <laughs> That's, that's nothing like all, shooting for the upper deck. Nothing hey? like punishing a startup. <laughs> but uh, so it, it was interesting. I did a lot of focus groups, pitched it to a lot of friends. And uh, at the time, there was social impact in 2015, 2016, really hadn't caught on as, as prevalent as it is today. Um, and I'm thankful that it's it's becoming a, almost a, a, an expected part of new businesses coming out. But uh, so we actually spent a lot of time with our customers and talked to them. And they said, listen, you know, we're we're happy that uh, Haven's going to be part of a, of a social mission here. If you, if you guys donate in a mattress for every 10 you sold, that seems way more realistic because ultimately we feel as your customer, 
we're on the hook for whatever you're doing, <laughs> yeah. like to some degree, yeah. you know, but the intent was always that it would come out of, out of our earnings and our profit. And it was just another way that I looked at as, as a taxation. When you run a business as a business owner, uh, or when you draw wages, you're being taxed regardless. So this was a way to say, well, let, why don't I pre-tax the earnings by doing good immediately with it? Cause once I give it away to, you know, the various levels of government, I don't control the goodness they do. Mm -hmm. So why don't I just tax ourselves going in? I can control the experience. I can control the efficiency of it. And the truth is, you know, uh, Shannon from Mamas for Mamas, I brought her in before Haven was even born. I said, Shannon, this is my vision. How do you think this should work? And she agreed that mental health, supporting families would have the biggest lift and the biggest impact. And, you know, for us to be able to deliver a charity mattress, um, I can do that way more efficient than any, any governing body. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously I have access to the raw materials and the people to make them. Right. So it just made so much sense to let me take care of people in need of a bed. Um, let that be Haven's responsibility. And then, yeah, we'll, of course we'll pay taxes on all the rest that uh, happens after. What I'm interested in though, is in the hierarchy of needs for a consumer, how often does this, this donation come up? Because let's face it, Consumers are into it for comfort. They they want a, a a nice bed, nice mattress. Is it is it becoming like is it emerging as a as a bigger idea for a lot of consumers where that's part and parcel with how they make a consumer decision, or is it is it still down the line for some people? I I mean it changes for each person, but do you are you starting to see a pattern emerging where more and more people go? How, how do you give back? And, and, and what, and they ask some harder questions about the company and, and is this part of your DNA? And, and like, is that becoming a, a bigger conversation for consumers? Yeah, thankfully it is. Um, it, it, the, when you write your first business plan and you put in there, we wanted this social impact 10 to one donation and you start immediately, like literally sold 10 mattresses and okay, there's, we owe one, we owe two. And then mm-hmm. we went and bought one, bought two and did it. I thought immediately this is going to get knocked off. Like, like the sleep countries of the world have to be watching this, going, "Well, we we get, we get beds cheaper We're than anybody, huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah." And we have we could we have charities in every town, and we could do this, and we could charge enough to cover this. And I thought I, I might have six months alone. I, I'll try to get as far up river as I can before mm-hmm. I get knocked off. And uh, to this date, we're still the only. A Canadian mattress company that donates 10 to one. There's nobody else does it. I, I will say uh, everybody donates the damaged beds. Like if you're on the assembly line and then someone saws one and a half that gets donated to charity, but that's a waste management yeah. initiative. That's actually not, that's not charitable foundation. So it doesn't hurt. Yeah. As much as a, as, as a nice bed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a question. Nepotism. There's a ton of it in your company. Uh, your wife, your son. I mean, I'm sure you could employ most of your family if, if they would let you employ them. But um, how is that working with family? Is that is it tough to kind of, you know, continue to act as a family around the dinner table? Or does does work just just bubble up to the surface all the time? Yeah, it does bubble up. Yeah, there's yeah. No, but Thanksgiving dinner is about pillowcases, and it's about memory foam, and it's about yeah. Um, we've we've done a pretty good job of it. Uh, Kelly and I, of course, worked in the company immediately from day one because we I needed her uh, her background in logistics, and I needed her. Um, focus on accounting and the mathematics and running the operation. So her and I um, were 
deep into Haven, right out of the right out of the gate. And uh, I guess there's just such a level of of understanding and comprehension to knowing what how tough a day she just had. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't know that in my past life, right? I, I just assume I was the one out, you know. Uh, struggling in the trenches. And when I would come home, it was all about, well, let me just tell you how tough my day was. Um, and now there's some, so much more empathy on both sides. And, and Oh yeah, we, I guess so. And, and we both see the, Hey, I saw that thing come through with the email about the thing. And yeah, that you handled that pretty good, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, anytime couples can, uh, can get a perspective with each other, um, and an appreciation for each other, uh, that, that's, that, that goes a long way to maintaining a relationship. Well, I, and again, I've, I've seen both sides. I've seen good, uh, when, when couples get together, I've, I've also seen the, the downside, which is not necessarily being, uh, the same engagement level on the business, but it, it always seems like whenever I'm around you and Kelly, there seems to be, uh, you know, the same direction. You're all heading in the same direction along with your son. Uh, it just seems like everybody's pulling on the oars at the same speed. And I think that also helps with bringing families closer. If there's one that's kind of off in the weeds a little bit, I think that would create a bigger stress. Yeah. I think we were fortunate. Um, and as you mentioned, being in the car business was, it, it had some, uh, it took a lot of relief off of us as a couple from an earnings point of view, meaning that I could be there and Kelly could be home for the kids. We have, uh, my son, Justin and, and daughter, Sarah, and she could be home and really focus on, you know, really building those kids up, you know, being mm-hmm. there for them, being the mom on the field trips, being the mom in the lunch uh, room, being mm-hmm. uh, volunteering and doing all that kind of stuff. So we were pretty fortunate that we ended up, um, somehow getting to the point where they were like, okay, mom, dad, we're going off to university. And we're like, Wow we like you made it wow that's so great uh and and we're fortunate we have really great kids and they really haven't caused us knock 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 uh a ton of stress and anxiety um but i think a lot of that had to do because kelly you know made that initial investment up front um and uh you know now we're at the point where uh, our daughter's a nurse she's she's she works in vancouver at uh um, sick kids hospital and she's in the NICU there and we're super proud of her and Justin works with us. Uh, he's our general manager. So he, he runs the general operations, uh, out of our offices at the innovation center. And, um, yeah, it's great to work with them as, you know, uh, to, with, particularly with him on a day-to-day basis. Cause I see him, you know, going through the same struggles I was going through when I was a young business guy coming up and, uh, learning how to manage people, learning how to lead, learning how to work with customers. And, uh, you know, I, I talk about him as he's a, a young man. He's, He's, he's now entering his late twenties. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> the horizon of your life. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, he's, he's, uh, yeah, he's, we're, we're just super proud of our kids and we're just super proud that as a family, we started tight together. We went on this Quran mission. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody knew a person. Let's just go to Kelowna and make friends yeah. uh, and start businesses. And we went on that mission together and, um, yeah, and we're really fortunate to ha- have each other. And you know, my daughter gets time off from work she's on that coca howler. She's on that plane coming back to Kelowna to swim in the lake with her friends and uh, spend time with her family. And we're super grateful to have it. So you have a, a deal with Brian as in Island of Brian and, and, and just talk a bit about, because uh, there's going to be certain business people listening going, how on earth did you manage to, to construct a deal with possibly the biggest show on HGTV and, and, and manage to, coordinate that with a brand that was was really just emerging it wasn't anywhere near what it is now but you managed to pull that off 
you know, out of thin air. So I think people would be curious to hear the story behind how did you get HGTV stars to align with your brand in early days? Because it, it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> well, don't, don't <laughs> no, tell no. them that. Like, that was, <laughs> Rick, if they listen to this, the deals, the jig is up. Um, again, my wife, it, I, we were, we knew we needed some third party validation for this great, amazing, comfortable bed. And, um, she said, you know what? I really, I, I just like those people. Like they, they're, they seem honest, hardworking Canadian values. And, you know, if you could ever align your brand, uh, with folks like that, that would be great. So, you know, I just took a whim. I reached out and got a hold of their media folks and told them our story and they, somehow fast-tracked us right to Brian and Sarah. We got on a conference call and, um, you know, I was a little cheeky. Uh, one day I was out on the boat and I kind of grabbed my iPhone 4 or whatever it was and, <laughs> and, and recorded a little bit of me talking with the mountains in the background and the lake. And I just, you know, kind of introduced myself and said, Brian, this is Brian and Sarah, this is our story. And this is, and we don't offer a lot. Uh, we don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't <laughs> offer a lot other than, you know, we think we're on a worthwhile mission and we'd love to have you guys a part of it in small way or big way. Um, and, you know, of course, RBC, your major <laughs> trust core, like all your big, produ- you know, they've, they've got, they've, and interesting enough, they only have like three or four major brands that they work with. Um, they, they got the video and they watched it and they said, okay, send a bed. So we packaged up a bed and sent it off. And I was like, you know, please, please make sure this one doesn't. <laughs> the FedEx guy doesn't yeah, lose just, this one. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I love you, FedEx guys. Um, so sure enough, the bed showed up and they had a great experience. And uh, they called us back and said, okay, we saw the video and, and we want to, we want to hear more. Tell us about where you're going. What's your plans? How do you want to be a part of this? How can we help? And um, of course they've, as you mentioned, they, they've had a long run of very successful shows on uh, HDTV and uh, DIY network. And then, we, they reached out and said, listen, we got a project. It's kind of on the QT. We're just kind of working on an island project and we're going to do 55 rooms in a luxury five-star resort. Would you design a bed with us? And wow. we were like, oh, uh, yup. Yeah, I know a guy. And I was like, hey, whoa, I know a guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mark, mark this. Okay, so segue to the hot tub. Uh, <laughs> so, so, and if you're just tuning in now, yeah, that's right. Uh, Scott and his brother, well, his brother designs beds. Yes. He is the designer, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So we got, uh, Brian and Sarah got involved, gave us a little bit of an idea what the vibe and the feel was for the resort and what they were going for that casual high end luxury. And, um, yeah, so we, we basically came up with a bed that would suit that purpose. And of course we loved it too. We were like, this is like, this is Haven plus, like this mm-hmm. is even nicer, even higher end, even uh, more luxurious. We're like, uh, Brian, I'm selling this to everybody. He's like, yeah. you better. You better. <laughs> he goes, yeah, we're putting them in the resort. You better sell these everywhere. So um, the show hits hits season one, uh, shoots the lights out. HGTV set a record for a decade. They never had a Sunday night uh, show like uh, Island of Brian. And Brian and Sarah, of course, are thrilled to have the success. And episode three, they open up a haven on the show. And I just, it was like there for 10 seconds and I'm looking at our website and I'm like, Hey, wow, there's eight people on the website. Hey, there's 87 people on the website. (laughs) Hey, there's 387 people on the website. It was a pretty cool experience to watch, you know, the power of that show. And, uh, I, 
there's one thing you can say about having television promotion because it gets you in front of millions of people. Mm -hmm. But I think we chose a path of saying, let's focus on uh, on the characters we're with. You know, mm -hmm. and these are real people, right? This is Brian and Sarah Baumler and they, they, they have core values. They don't align themselves with a lot of brands. They only have a small handful. Uh, the ones that they do, they, they hold really close. Um, and yeah, it's been an amazing relationship for us. And, uh, and, you know, I phoned them up in early days. And I said, listen, we're doing a, a charity donation in uh, Burlington, Ontario. And I know you guys have a $5,000 show fee uh, to come and do things, um, but I can't cover that, but I'll cover the beds. Yeah. And it was a winter morning. I remember, um, you know, we, we met up with the ladies uh, at the women's shelter the, the, uh, who operated it. And of course, it's all in secrecy because it's a, you know, uh, it's kind of pr to protect the, the people who use the facility. So, and uh, Brian and Sarah came and, and, and stood out there in the cold with me and my wife. And we unloaded beds for the afternoon and uh, had a great chat and got the tour of the facility and see exactly where the beds are going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, they tell you a story that, you know, some of the beds that we, we brought in that day uh, were going to a family that had been separated uh, for Christmas. Mm. Jesus. Oh. So the hook went pretty deep that yeah. day. Uh, Brian <laughs> yeah. and I looked at each other and was like, I think we're going to do more of this. Yeah, uh, this feels yeah. uh, bigger and better than just selling things. This is changing people's lives in a positive way yeah. and, and finding great, happy customers along the way. So it, it felt good uh, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways. We were just talking about the island of Brian and you were lucky enough to go. And, and I remember seeing uh, an Instagram post and Facebook post and you were traveling during COVID basically right <laughs> but but it would have been kind of surreal to go to their their caribbean resort without anyone there like i mean now it'd be booked out and everything else but but you were there when when it was just a handful of people was that kind of an odd experience yeah well, at this point we'd already watched season one season two we kind of knew all the characters we knew the you kind of had a layout of the place and you're like oh my god that's the pool i'm going in the pool take my picture in the pool <laughs> yeah. and uh so it was it was it was surreal because the resort obviously is designed to you know have a a uh, hundred uh, guests at a time or more and you know here we are there was a handful of us and the and the filming crew so at the time they're still doing renovations so part of the resort is closed off they were pretty respectful not to you know have chop saws going at uh, at happy hour but uh, and and then uh, you know a chance to see the characters and the people who show up on the show which are the staff and who all become part of it and yeah, Brian and Sarah, of course, were there and, and we, we had a nice visit and got to see the resort firsthand. And I, if you're listening to this at home, go to the resort. It is exactly like being on a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the cool part is, and I, and I think this is the, one of the things you talked about is if you meet them, they are actually just like they are on television. Like some people put on airs and, you know, they, they might affect a certain way, but, but they're actually those people like. 100%, yeah. he, he's a guy that, you know, Brian is probably a guy that you can probably have a beer with and, and, and have a, a pretty good chuckle. And, and Sarah seems a little bit more high strung and, and tense, but she keeps I'm him. I'm glad at, you're saying all this stuff. Well, well, I know, <laughs> but, but she seems someone that's, that's kind of organizing and does a lot and, and, and certainly is the launch pad for him in a number of ways. Cause he's, he seems extremely talented in building and all that kind of stuff, but she keeps it on the tracks. Yeah. Like that's what and it she's seems the, like. She's the designer, right? She's yeah. the one with the vision for everything. And, mm -hmm. and 
you know, I, I remember watching them film an episode uh, or parts of an episode and they were working on some some sort of trim work or whatever. And, you know, the camera guys did their thing and said, okay, thanks guys. Like, we're going to break for a bit. And then, so Brian actually literally goes back to the chop saw and starts working away on doing more trim. Like, like why would he go to the beach? Uh, why would he be out looking fishing marlin? No, no, he's got a job to do like because yeah. they, they're going to come back next week and they better you better have shown <laughs> something got painted or something got closed <laughs> off or so yeah no he did a he, he did a great job hosting us and uh they both were wonderful and got to meet the kids and uh you know see the some of the backstage stuff and 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 got to be on an episode they actually said listen we need we need characters like we oh, need, yeah, why yeah. don't you guys pretend to be Canadian tourists <laughs> in the Bahamas <laughs> during COVID yeah. uh, and we'll send you out on a boat excursion. And cause at that time they were, they had just hired their excursion team and mm-hmm. they hadn't really figured out what you might do with people. So they said, well, let's, we'll send the Amoses. <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly <laughs> what go could wrong? What could possibly go wrong here? So uh, yeah, we had an amazing day out uh, uh, in the, in the, offshore of the island and they had a little private lunch set up for us on a private beach and we got to we got to go snorkeling we got to go paddle boarding with the turtles and yeah it was a pretty great experience so i came back from that going oh well what are we doing next year (laughs) (laughs) this might be a little hot hard to uh hard to beat can you feel the jealousy coming through the microphone right now (laughs) yes what i i I kept the whole time we were down there my phone kept blowing up going how did you get there what do you what kind of a pass can i get a needle in both arms like how how does this work (laughs) uh brian bomler is it bomler bomler i don't know yeah okay So he was chatting, it was one of those YouTube videos that that pops up after you watch Island of Brian, and he was chatting with uh, like some sort of construction trade association, shows up in a hoodie, great, like he just says, here's the deal, and just kind of starts talking. And and he's actually a gifted orator. Like, I mean, he he pulls people in just because he's so truthful, like it's just yeah. him. And one of the things he he brought up, which I found very interesting, was the way he hires people now. Is he doesn't read resumes. He says, you know what we do? If we need a framer, we set him up on the roof. And that morning, we know exactly what we have. Because, you know, they pick up the hammer and they they start moving around amongst the guys. And if they fall behind or... And he says, it's just, it's just the best ever way to interview is we put them up on the roof. Now, you running an online digital company basically you can't put them up on the roof but how do you how do you look at people how do you hire so that you get the most you know you get the best talent and and that kind of thing because it's got to be tough when when you have a little bit of smoke and mirrors when it comes to online digital people yeah the you know the great part about online is every day is a new day and and the people what people knew six months ago isn't necessarily going to guarantee them success today. So it's because you're on the cutting edge of constant change, the way social media works, the way the algorithm for Google works is constantly changing. So we, we tend to try to bring in younger people than older, uh, just because they have more plasticity there. They're willing to try completely brand new stuff. Um, and I'm just smart enough to get the hell out of their way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I can ask some good questions like, Hey guys, that didn't really work out. Uh, can you explain why? And that's kind of me being Brian Baumler going, so look like a pretty windy day up there, guys. Uh, how'd it go? And the team will tell you pretty quick, you know, who they want coming back tomorrow. 
So in, in some ways, I, I didn't see the connection, but I do now that, uh, you know, I do try to... Uh, you know, have a, a shorter interview. And, and if I can, a lot of our folks tend to come to us from uh, word of mouth. Like I know a friend, I know a friend, I know a friend, which mm-hmm. definitely is a fast track uh, for both sides because both sides build trust much quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a two way street. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, having, having people willing to take risks. That's the one thing that I would say when, when people ask me at, during their interviews at Haven, before coming on board, like, what do I need to be successful here? It's you need to be willing to uh, do things you've, you've never tried. Um, like I, I literally fail quite regularly. Um, and we're at the point now where I'm very public with, uh, some of our failures. Like I will say, you know, guys, I thought this was going to be a great idea and I invested this and we went after this and this was the resources we put at it. And by the way, that will never work. Uh, uh, because you guys, you guys have thrown a ton of talent and effort at that idea. And, um, and, and by the way, which one of you came up with it? <laughs> yeah, you're out of here. <laughs> no, no. Cause they're into it. Cause, it, cause they learn every time. And that's the, that's the real art in that is, um, is, you know, just encourage your people not, not to hold the stick too tight. Um, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to find ways. There's, there's always new ways. There's something new is coming. Uh, be open to it. Try to find ways to, to get to your customers. You know, we talked about that social impact, that 10 to one and how, how much that drives business. I actually don't think it drives business really for us at all. Um, I think a hundred percent of Haven customers are Haven customers because the bed is incredibly comfortable. But before I got to learn it was comfortable, I had to trust you and your team and the fact that you do build in Canada and use plant-based and locally sourced and donate to charity and do all those things that gets you to the door to get a chance to win me over with the comfort of the bed. So that was really, when I looked at that, I thought, gee, I'm pretty surprised someone hasn't knocked this off sooner. It was because it didn't generally drive business. It wasn't, you couldn't go back to your shareholders and say, guys, we had an amazing quarter. Let's give more beds away. Um, and because nobody else could take that charge, it just sort of got baked into the fabric. And yeah, having those customers focus on uh, on making sure the bed is amazing first keep, keeps us grounded because that is, the, the minute we lose that, uh, there is no haven. So one of the things that, that happens as a result of having uh, a very fast-paced environment and a labor shortage, especially a skilled labor shortage, is people tend to look for greener pastures, they tend to move on or whatever. But there seems to be uh, your team seems to stay intact, and and you know there might be a, a ton of reasons around that. Maybe there's good snacks in uh, in the coffee room. The snacks do help. I you will know? say we've we've measured the effectiveness and uh, Rice Krispie squares. Uh, you oh, can totally you, you can keep people engaged an extra hour almost every day. Yeah, but there seems to be a, a common theme, which is you have um, you know th- th- there's a fun environment. Do you try to to figure out ways to retain people or or does that just happen organically through the the nature of the DNA of the company? Like you're giving back, you, you know, you're doing a lot of the right things, but there are, there's there's got to be a, a few different things at work because of things you learned in the car industry of what keeps people there. You it's okay to you know attract them, but what keeps them there do you think? Um yeah, I think a lot of it a lot of it is integrity. Uh, people people need to have a sense that the company's actions and behaviors, the way the company behaves with its customers and its staff, is something that they can they can commit to in a long term uh, capacity. Because you know. 
people give up an incredible amount of their lives to their jobs. You, know, mm-hmm. you think about you think about how short a rope we get handed at birth, and you're going to spend a fair bit of that in your workplace. Um, having a bigger cause, having a bigger mission, I think, particularly with uh, younger workers, is very very important. And in fact, they talk when I when I hear them talk uh, in the lunchroom or just amongst themselves about. Uh, the things that that drive them, giving back, locally sourced, uh, you know, uh, have you know, basically trying to operate uh, as ethically and transparently as you can with your customers. As you can imagine, complex business, shipping, manufacturing, things get made wrong, wrong packages get like things suck sometimes, right? And it's mm-hmm. really about um, making sure that everybody on the team knows that no one's ever alone. No one's going to have to make a call that I'm not willing to make with them uh, or for them or on behalf of them. Um, and, you know, that they've got, uh, uh, they're headed somewhere. You know, the amount of time, the amount of time we spend coaching and training our people um, it feels great. Like, if, and in fact, we had a booked meeting about marketing uh, two weeks ago and we have a lot of younger staff and, and someone came up with the point of, you know, RSP contributions and, and, and credit scores. I was like, guys, you have like advanced degrees in marketing. You literally have invested tens of thousands of your parents, perfectly good dollars in higher education. And, and, and you don't really have a good strong answer for how to build a good credit score. And so, so we just had a breakout session that day and we grabbed the whiteboard and I told them everything I know and said, listen, I'm not an accountant. I'm not a, but, but you know, I've, I've had a few battle scars and I've learned a few things about how to navigate. Here's what I know, take what I know, and at least let that be your foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, people appreciate taking the time, right? Cause you know, that's not part of the job description and it may not, you know, be in their, in their, uh, expectations, but in mine is find really great people who I like to spend time with, find them doing things they do really well, ask them questions and support them when they need, but really try to get the heck out of their way. They, they just, people nowadays just want to do a great job. And, and if the mission is clearly defined and, and there's a, a bigger cause to it, it really frees me up to go uh, help support the people who maybe don't have the skills yet. Maybe mm-hmm. they're new to the role. Maybe they, they don't have the clarity. Maybe they, they need to uh, have something built for them or a supporting mechanism another way. And that, that frees me up to go focus on that part of that business at that time. So kids today, not a bad thing. I love the kids today. They keep me young. Who else would refresh my phone and get my Instagram to come up? Like, come on. I mean, so speaking of life skills and, and you're trying to offer some more life skills, you have... Uh, a very big talent for selling uh, used cars on Facebook Marketplace. Want to give people some tips as someone who was the master salesperson <laughs> for BMW for so many years? Because uh, I've heard you on the phone, and it and it's it's crazy. But but how how about constructing an ad? Like just building an ad out. What would you tell people if you're trying to sell a car in today's environment? What kinds of things should they have in that ad? Are you serious? You want yeah. this? From, I'm, yeah. I'm giving this up, eh? Okay. So yeah, my kids are a little frustrated with me because I'm like, hey, uh, you've had that car six months. Can we flip it? Because those are in demand. 
go pick a different color. Uh, so I do it sometimes. And then, yeah, so of course my son and daughter haven't had the same car for a year straight because I get involved. But uh, yeah, constructing an ad for fa uh, Facebook Marketplace or AutoTrader, whatever the, the source is, be unique, have a ton of pictures. Mm-hmm. Like how many though? Tell the truth. Like fifteen though? No, no, twenty. No. Have have as many pictures as they allow. It, as just whatever the max is, put every picture in, and tell tell a lot of good things, but tell two honest bad things. Okay, to two. Two. Okay. Um, one is contrived. It's like mm -hmm. oh, they put that in there just so they no no. But if you tell two things, like little crack on the thing happening in a parking lot, nothing major. Or hey, do for an oil change next week, just giving you a heads up. Okay. People yeah. people want to know the whole story. Right. So in the minute you... If it's too fantastic... If yeah, if you're telling it's, all, yeah. uh, one of a kind, limited edition, hand-painted, mm -hmm. you know, people see that and it's it, you'll... You want to engage, you want to attract people who are comfortable making a decision, be a person that uh, communicates in a way that... Uh, wouldn't would entice but uh, but a listener's going how do i get 20 pictures of the of the car i have a buick regal like what what am i going to take pictures of like what am i taking pictures of that's true yeah no buick regal would be a dead end <laughs> story you're right i don't think you could even i couldn't i wouldn't even take on that listing so let's you may or may not imbibe uh some spirits the odd time some wine um you have a little bit of a wine knowledge what would be your favorite that you would go home, you know, a warm summer night and you're going to pluck a, a bottle from the cellar and, and you go, okay, we're going to enjoy this one. What, what, what is that bottle right now? Um, I, I can't say brands like this, this would just give it up. It would, uh, well, what, what is it? A Pinot Grigio? Is it a Pinot Noir? Is it a Cabernet Sauvignon? Yeah, well, or? we're, we're, we're well into summer now in Kelowna, so yeah, those Pinot Grigios and uh, the, the the whites are drinking quite nicely. The rosé, I've actually been having a bit of a streak this week with some rosés. Mm. Uh, Summerhill, we were over there for a nice uh, little soiree on Friday, and they had a little members thing, which was kind of nice. And uh, yeah, I will. One of the, my favorite favorite things to do uh, is on a Saturday or Sunday, we will literally be sitting around the house going, "Hey, we didn't make any plans today." Let's go to, and off we go to a new winery. We literally, we were 15 minute drive and we were at Mission Hill taking pictures of ourselves going, this, I think we're in heaven. Yeah. Like, how did we get here? Isn't it? it and that, we were remarkable. on the couch watching golf 15 minutes earlier. And here mm -hmm. we are in an experiential place that people would literally save up all year to <laughs> fly yeah. out here to stay yes, at. Yes, actually. Uh, and, you know, it's so great to see... Uh, uh, We've now marked, earmarked my arrival time in the Okanagan um, to see this industry just boom. Uh, yeah, Kelly and I are, we really like, we really have, like have, our neighborhoods. Have you been to uh, Priest, uh, the Priest Winery? No, nope, haven't heard of it. So uh, Jennifer went to that and, and they, they went on three or four winery tours, but she said, you know, it's it's relatively new and, and every everyone in their party said, are you kidding me? This wine is spectacular. So, and it comes with a little crust of bread. Why and wouldn't you, it? <laughs> you get a blessing. You get a blessing. Like, Thank you, Father. This is. I'll take a bottle. What's your confession? <laughs> is it 10% off if I do the case? <laughs> so you've scaled a company. You've built a company up. You have a, a team around you. 
what what does the future look like for for Haven? Like, is that is there at some point uh, would, is an exit plan, or is this is this a lifelong journey, or what, what do you want to do with with this company? Yeah, we're as long as we're having fun, um, you know, I. I, I I'll stay engaged. And I think I you know, kind of alluded to it earlier. I am a bit of a builder. So as long as there's plenty of the business to build mm-hmm. and not a lot of it uh, that's completely figured out, yes, no question. Our manufacturing is super efficient. You know, the one thing we've been fortunate in this last two years, uh, we've been recognized by the mattress industry for the highest customer loyalty rate. So uh, when we talk to the industry insiders and we tell them that 30% of all havens going out the door are going to houses of Haven owners. Wow. Uh, Okay. So repeat customers. Yeah, repeat customers coming back. So now they're getting one for the RV, one for the cottage, one for the cabin. Uh, We're even shipping, we're shipping internationally because Haven customers apparently have vacation properties and they want to use it for their Airbnbs, that kind of stuff. So it's been, so we'll continue to expand the business. Um, We're going to continue to challenge our competition to, you know, maybe get involved in this social impact thing. You know, I, I wasn't joking when I said I thought we would get knocked off, but I actually am calling out the other manufacturers saying, guys, this this isn't hard to do mm-hmm. and it makes an incredible difference and your customers would appreciate it. So we're going to continue to push our competitors that way. Um, you know, of course, someone knocks on the door and says, "It's uh, we're going to tag you out. Um, you know, here's gas money for the boat. Fair enough. But uh, as long as we're having fun with it, we'll continue to build it out. We, we've got quite a few uh, sub-companies that are kind of percolating within uh, the Haven um, Mattress Company. So and it was Haven Mattress Company because we really started with the focus on the single line. Let's just make an amazing bed in a box and everybody will want it. Well, it ends up that's fine, but they also want pillows and they want sheets. And so we've, we, sure. we buy a company called Bedface, which has been uh, uh, really a pet project for my wife. She really likes likes the brand and loves, you know, beautiful, uh, long staple cotton and, and great stuff that way. So we've, we've brought that out and we have plans, you know, we're coming out this year with uh, two new uh, havens. So we have two new uh, mm-hmm. to the family of havens because there's some markets out there that are, are also underserviced at this time. So we want to build uh, beds for people who, you know, have kind of been left left behind by the market. So, the, those are in final stages, and we should be launching that in the fall. So, is it is it seem like uh, as an online company? Because a lot of people, I think, <laughs> wrongly or rightly, so uh, they come out of the you know out of school maybe, and they have an idea for online, and they go, okay, this will be great. I can work anywhere from my laptop. You know, it'll be remote based. Um, can you set them straight on how much work it is to scale an online company? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it is. <laughs> no, but it, a lot of people think there's a pina colada and they're on their laptop and, and right. they're sitting at the beach and they're like plunking away and they're like, ah, oh, you know, I, I work remotely. So the, I, you guys have maybe heard of the book, the Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week. Yeah. I want to punch that guy in the mouth. <laughs> that, that guy has <laughs> screwed up more people. He has. He, if yeah. you think about it, oh yeah, no, don't really add value. Just go to a coffee shop, work three hours. And, and then the world will open up. Maybe if you make that book, <laughs> sell it at that time, that works. But it is it is the worst advice I would give anybody to live a successful life is put in as little effort as possible. That right. that just doesn't you know work uh, with my my genetic makeup. Um, so yeah, starting an online business, um, get ready. It's 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 faster than fast, and just when you think you're smart. That's the moment of danger. 
when you think I'm going to tell these guys how this works, step away from the mic. Right. You, you do not, you're about to be sideswiped by a major competitor who just outwitted you <laughs> and just took your entire day's traffic to their website. So, so yeah, caveat emptoire. Yeah. It's okay. uh uh, entertaining day, entertaining afternoon. Um, thanks so much for coming into the big show and, uh, and good luck with selling some beds. So how would, how would people find these mattresses if they were so to look mattresses and, and sheets and pillows and covers? It's a whole sleep co. <laughs> We got it all, folks. Yes, havenmattress.ca is the website and it's open 24 7. We've got some amazing customer care people to help you load up your carts and check them out. But yeah, we, we really appreciate the support. I, I'm not joking when I say that uh, Kelowna is woven into the fabric of Haven. Like we are, we started at the Okanagan Collab uh, with a single desk. We grew to multiple desks. We moved to the Innovation Center. We, we operate out of Haven House. Um, we, we're super tied to this community and, and we wouldn't be uh, the company for Canada that we are, if it wasn't the support of local business people in Kelowna and local customers in Kelowna who, who saw, uh, who took a chance on, on something new and something, uh, innovative in their community and, and supported us. And, and I will forever be grateful for Kelowna and, and its citizens. It's a, it's a great success story. And, and the one thing I have to add is if you're ever around Scott and his phone does a ding, uh, you should really see his reaction because that means somebody said, "I want a haven." And and what what noise do you make when when yes. you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a little cash register. So when you have a Shopify store, it's a cash register. It goes ching, and it's like yes, it's it just it feels good. I'm I'm validated one I more think, time. I think just, people are just gonna go buy a haven, please, and I, th- yeah. I think you should record that. Just yeah. ding, and then yay. <laughs> We should send it to the customers. Like, okay, the CEO, you just made him giggle. So that's, uh, he really appreciates it. Yeah. If ever there was a question, we appreciate it. Like we never miss Is that not it? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If customers only knew the joy. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for coming in, Scott. Thanks for having me, Rick. That was a lot of fun.